want to take a moment or two at the beginning of the sermon time today to just uh, chat and to follow up with everything that our worship leaders have shared already. Uh, the uh, blessings that we have, the, the uh, urgent needs that we have as well in our community, in our church family, in our nation, and, and in our world. Uh, love, love, love uh, seeing the pictures of the kids and the children's Bible hour workers. What a blessing uh, that is. And that program is on uh, Wednesday nights, and uh, it's just an amazing thing. We have Bible classes for all ages on Wednesday nights at 630. Uh, the uh, classes for the children, the Bible hour, and also uh, classes for uh, teens and for adults. Uh, and we are grateful for all of those who are involved in that. And I hope that you will be a part of that as well. It is a new year. It's time to be intentional and purposeful. And so I hope that you'll choose to be a part of, of those classes. We have a men's class, a women's class. I teach a combined class in the, in the chapel on Wednesday evenings and uh, again, all the others as well. Uh, there's a lot of opportunities for us to be involved in the teaching and the learning, uh, the spreading of God's word. Uh, it's a very dynamic and difficult time for our nation, and so it's a time that calls on all of us uh, to not only seek to pray, but seek to gather around each other and to gather around the word of God and consider those things. Uh, of course, we have Bible classes on Sunday morning for all ages as well at 9 a.m. and our worship service at 10 a.m. Welcome to all of those who are watching us online. Glad that you are joining us either live or perhaps later as this goes into archives uh, after our worship service today. Uh, we also, we're not meeting here on Sunday evenings, but uh, I've been doing a Bible study on Sunday afternoons. We've taken off for the holidays, but I want you to know that we'll start that up again today. I'll have it on my Facebook page at 4 p.m. Uh, live, and then uh, it will broadcast on our website, on our uh, live stream page at 6 p.m. So all of you that are watching this right now, uh, you went to the blue box and you turned on that, or if you're watching it uh, afterwards, you went to the archives. I want you to know that that Bible study will be shown at 6 p.m. at that same place at that blue box. And if you miss it at six, then you can scroll down and look at it under archives or you can watch it on our Facebook pages, live on my page at four, and then it goes to our West Irwin Church of Christ Facebook page after that. And again, broadcast at 6 p.m. Uh, on our live stream page on our, on our website, westirwin.com, Irwin with an E, R-W-I-N. And I uh, want to encourage you to do that. Uh, also, Donnie Carnathan has a Zoom class on Sunday evenings. Uh, we have uh, a Tuesday, Thursday class as well that I teach on my Facebook page at 3 p.m. live. And then afterwards, it is sent to our West Irwin Church of Christ page and our website under archives as well. And I hope that you'll be a part of that. We're uh, looking at the book of Colossians right now. And so I hope if you're stuck at home, or even if you're not, that you take time to look into God's word and to consider what he has to tell us. The book of Colossians, I think, is a great study for our time right now as we are um, looking ahead to what's ahead for us and what we've seen before and how living in the world in the 21st century is a, is a very big challenge for people of faith. 
And so I'm excited about that study as well. That's again on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 3 p.m. live, and then you can see it afterwards on those various sites. A lot of opportunities, a lot of wonderful opportunities. Our college young adult class meets on Sunday mornings during the nine o'clock time live and uh, through Zoom. And so we are excited for that and hope that some of our uh, college young adults will take part in that as well. Uh, You can contact David and Marla Canifax for more information on that if you need to. Lots of things going on here. Our Bible Hour, it's a great program. A couple of times a month is our goal to show something like you saw today, to remind everyone of what's going on here and of what you can be involved in and and the great blessings that God has given to us. And so this is all a part of us being uh, intentional and purposeful, as Kelly said, and all a part of us seeking to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And this time, our time today in 21st century Tyler, Texas and far, far beyond. Um, Let's bow for just a moment in prayer. Father, we praise you as the one true great God. You are the creator. You are the sustainer. You are the savior. You are the one who provides all of our needs and more. Our physical needs, our emotional needs, our mental needs, our relationship needs, our spiritual needs. You've given us your great and wonderful word. You've given us this marvelous church family. You've given us your Holy Spirit. You've given us your salvation. Father, today as we begin this series of lessons from this grand book of Romans, out of your word, we are grateful for it, for the call to accept the righteousness of God and to live a life of righteousness living, even in our world, especially in our world today. Father, we're mindful of all of those that our shepherd Galen mentioned in prayer and so many others, and we just pray, we pray, we pray that you would hear the hearts that are going out to you right now and that you would bless those, Father, who are in special need of your healing, your comfort, your care. And we ask, Father, that you would use us to be a blessing to them as well. And Father, we pray for our nation. It's been a difficult, difficult time. It's been a very hard year. It's been a very hard month and week. And Father, we, uh, we acknowledge that you are the only one on the throne, that you are the only one who is creator and sustainer and savior. And Father, we are grateful for that. And we realize that it is on Christ, the solid rock, that we stand and that all other ground is sinking sand. We're grateful, Father, that through your grace and through your love and through your mercy, we can be in the glory land way, that we can have the righteousness of God and that each day we can participate in righteousness living, even in 2021 America. And so, Father, we pray that you would help us to be able to do that. Bless our church, our leaders, all of those who serve. And, Father, we do pray for the leaders of our nation. We pray for President Trump and for Vice President Pence. 
We pray for President-elect Biden and for Vice President-elect Harris. We pray for the leaders of Congress and for the leaders of the Senate and for all of those, Father, who have a hand in governing our nation. We pray, Father, for these next 10 days until the new administration begins. And we pray, Father, for the days and weeks and years afterwards. Father, we are grateful for your presence. We're grateful for your call to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And Father, we are not up to the task without you. But Father, when you use us to be instruments of your peace, to be conveyors of your joy, to live lives filled with hope. We know, Father, that it can have an impact. And we know, Father, that it's what those around us need to see in us. And why should we not live that way, Father, with everything that you have blessed us with in Christ Jesus our Lord? So, Father, we pray that you would bless us and that you would use us. And, Father, again, all the praise, all the glory, all the loyalty goes to Jesus Christ, our Lord. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. John Stott has this quote, the church in every generation has acknowledged the importance of the book of Romans. That's quite a statement. And yet I believe, from what I've read anyway, that it is correct. He mentions Augustine in the 4th century, the English Bible translator William Tyndale, Reformation leaders John Calvin and Martin Luther, 18th century leaders John and Charles Wesley, 20th century scholar and author Karl Barth. Leaders in churches of Christ have also affirmed and stressed the significance of the study of the book of Romans and the application into our lives. I've been looking forward to this series ever since I moved here. Uh, Almost six years ago now, it'll be six years in July. One of the important issues pervasive throughout the book of Romans is the tension and conflict between Jew and Gentile, between Christians from a Jewish background and those non-Jews who are now Christians but come from an entirely different religious and ethnic background. Even the most casual reading of Romans, he writes, betrays the fact that the church in Rome was a mixed community consisting of both Jews and Gentiles with Gentiles in the majority and that there was considerable conflict between these groups. And we shouldn't be surprised to hear that, right? Rome is the center of the Roman Empire. It's the capital of the world. (laughs) It's where the emperor lives and rules. Where the Roman Senate is, it's it's the center of the first century world. Um, It is further recognized that this conflict between Jew and Gentile, between Jewish Christian and Gentile Christian, is not just because of their uh, racial and ethnic differences, it's because of their theological differences. We are struck when we read the book of Romans or Ephesians or Galatians, how difficult it was for Christians to get along, (laughs) 
because they had such clear and significant differences in some of the things that they believed. The Apostle Paul faces these challenges head on as he speaks about salvation by grace through the response of faith, about living an obedient and righteous life, about racial and ethnic differences, about how to respond to civil authorities who oppose Christian principles and the church, about the difficulties we face with each other over doctrinal differences. All of those and more, the Apostle Paul, by the guidance of the Holy Spirit, speaks to those issues in the book of Romans. Good thing we don't struggle with any of those issues, huh? (laughs) There's not a single one of those that we don't struggle with just as much as they did. Clearly, the issues addressed in the book of Romans are even more applicable to us than we may have thought. We too struggle with issues of salvation and righteousness. We too have difficulty in our relationships with those who come from different backgrounds and reach different conclusions than we do. Perhaps you have understood the righteousness of God, that great quote that comes up right here in Romans chapter 1. And again in chapter 3 and in other places as well. Perhaps you have understood the righteousness of God as simply God acting righteously to punish evildoers. Maybe you have trusted your own righteousness rather than God's. Though deep inside you realize that you cannot be righteous enough on your own for this righteous, holy God. It may be that you struggle with finding the balance between accepting the righteousness of God that comes by God's grace with the call and command to live obediently to God's word. There's a lot of the New Testament, including here in Romans, that's given over to that subject, trying to understand and comprehend and accept the righteousness of God that comes strictly by faith through nothing that we can do And then at the same time, balancing that with that call from Scripture, including Romans, to live a certain kind of life and to be obedient. Even though it doesn't earn the salvation that we long for, it is still the call of God. The righteousness of God and righteousness living. If you've had a hard time with those, then my prayer is that there is in store for you in this study an aha moment or two where you will come face to face with the saving blood and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. I pray that we will all understand that the righteousness of God is the divine truth that through his love and mercy, God justifies us by his grace through our response of faith but that then he calls us to live in grateful obedience to his will. That is righteousness living according to the righteousness of God in 2021. This morning, we begin our study through the book of Romans by looking at these two major prevailing themes. First of all, God's righteousness. Again, it doesn't take Paul very much time at all to get to this point. 
the righteousness of God that comes through the gospel by faith and not through anything we do. Romans chapter one, beginning at verse 14, the apostle Paul writes, and he's writing to a church that he's never been to. He knows a lot of people there. If you've read Romans 16, you realize he knows a lot of people there because he tells them all hello. (laughs) But he's never been there. In Romans chapter one, beginning in verse 14, I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, basically Gentiles and Jews, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. Verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. That last part, a direct quote from Habakkuk chapter two, verse four in the Old Testament. We're gonna emphasize that in the next message or two in the weeks to come. God's righteousness, it is the gospel. Paul says, I'm not ashamed to tell this story to anybody, anywhere. The poorest peasant in the most obscure town or village And the emperor hurt himself in the city of Rome. I can't wait, Paul says, to go there with this gospel, with this message. I'm not ashamed of that gospel because it's the power of God. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And he's gonna tell us in Romans three, after three whole chapters, why that's so important. And we already know, don't we? It's available for all who believe because all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. None righteous, not even one, not any Jew, not any non-Jew. All guilty of sin if left to ourselves. But the good news of the gospel is this, in the gospel, there is revealed the power of God for salvation in spite of our sin. That it's available for all of those who will believe that this righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, beginning to end, A to Z. There is nothing, nothing you can do to forgive one sin or to earn salvation. Only the blood of Jesus that we celebrated earlier today can do that. Nothing else can do that. And that's the message of the book of Romans, specifically the message of the first 11 chapters, God's righteousness. We skip over to chapter three and we read these words. In chapter one, as we're gonna see next week, there is none righteous, not even one. And in chapter one, we see that the non-Jews are condemned. In chapter two, the Jews are condemned. And in chapter three, all have sinned. As Paul writes in Romans 3, verse 21, now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came 
by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement, a propitiation through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. How can a righteous and just God let us go? Because we are sinners. And the only way he can do that is the gospel. The only way he can do that is the blood of Christ. Why? Because all have sinned. None of us can stand before the presence of the holy God on our own. We can't. We are sinners. And because of that, we are unable to look and to be in the presence of the holy God. The good news of the gospel is this. In the gospel, a righteousness of God is revealed. That is not based on your works. It's not based on your sinlessness. A righteousness of God that is by faith from first to last, beginning to end. Every part about it goes back to that moment in history, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And because of that, there is the righteousness of God that can apply to us. As our shepherd Galen shared during our prayer earlier, Jesus is our only hope. And that is the truth. If you are hoping in your sinless, obedient life, you will never be secure in your salvation. Because you, like me, you are a sinner. And Isaiah says our sins separate us from the holy God. And so we need someone to step in in our behalf as an act of grace and sacrifice. That someone is Jesus Christ. And that message is the gospel. Romans chapter 5, beginning at verse 6. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We are encouraged when we hear stories of heroism, those who sacrifice their lives for someone else, for a cause that is just. And we think of Brian Sicknick, this Capitol Police officer who was killed on Wednesday in the line of duty, seeking to protect others. And his life was taken away. There are others who've made that sacrifice. And we pray for his family and for our nation and for all who mourn those who were lost. But that's dying for a good cause. There are people who will do that heroically, amazingly. Not everybody will. But there are some who will sacrifice their lives for someone who is good, for a cause that is just. 
God demonstrates his love for us in this. It was while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It was while we were with that mob around the cross shouting, crucify him, crucify him. That's when he died for us. When Jesus died for you, he did not see you when you were at your best. He saw you when you were at your very, very worst. And because of his great love for us, he died for us then. That's what he saw. God demonstrates his love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. How great thou art. We will sing in just a few minutes. How great thou art. And then these words from Romans 6. What shall we say then? This is a little bit of a parenthesis. This is a little bit of a step back and we'll see it more later. In Romans chapter 6, after five solid chapters of preaching that the righteousness of God comes through faith, not through anything that we do, but through what Jesus did. Paul says this in Romans 6 verse 1, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Even in our response of faith, it points back to the death, burial, and resurrection of God of Christ. And that's why Paul in Ephesians 2 can say, we're saved by grace through faith and that not of ourselves. Even our response of faith is the gift of God so that we can take no pride and no glory in the fact that we are Christians, in the fact that we have said yes to this wonderful gospel message. We cannot take pride in that. We cannot glorify in that. It is not that that saves us. It is that which we have believed in and trusted in that saves us. And our baptism points us back to that, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ as we die to sin and are buried with Christ through baptism into death and are raised to live a new life. Part one is God's righteousness. And that last section in Romans 6 verse 4 is the transition to part two, and that is righteousness living. It's the glory land way. And it starts in Romans 6, verse 4. It starts when we die to sin and are buried with Christ through baptism into death and are raised to live. But not just any kind of life and certainly not the same old life that we were living, but a new life, raised to live a new life, a life that is intentional and purposeful. Because let me tell you what he talks about starting especially here about being a slave to Christ rather than a slave to sin, being a slave to righteousness rather than a slave to self. That's hard. And he gets specific in Romans 12 through 15, especially, where he says specifically, this is what righteousness living looks like. And it's hard. It's not the natural way. Because if left to ourselves, we would be selfish. We would seek our own goodness, not the goodness of others. But that's not the way of the cross. 
way of the cross is not to hate your enemies, it's to love your enemies. Love them so much that you even pray for them. That good things will happen for them, that God will bless them, that he will bring them closer to him. We don't think less of those who disagree with us, but rather we seek to treat them with love, with consideration, with respect, holding on to our convictions absolutely, but recognize that they too are created in the image of God, that they too were the ones who Jesus died to save. He will say in that passage in Romans 12 through 15, how can we treat our brother or sister for whom Christ died? How can we treat them so horribly? In Romans chapter 12, Paul writes to them and he begins that transition moment with these words. As he says in Romans 12 verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies. You see, it always starts with God and his mercy. But it doesn't end there. For 11 chapters, he's talked about God's mercies and how we receive them undeservedly as an act of grace on God's part. But he says, because of all of those things, in view of God's mercies, he says, I urge you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. It's not just what we do here. It's not just what we do online at home. It is every single day, every single moment, 24-7, 365. There is never a time when we can say, I can check my Christianity. I don't have to worry about what I put in that email. I don't have to worry about what I put on that Twitter or Facebook post. I don't have to worry about what I say to my brother or sister or to someone who doesn't acknowledge God at all. I'm off the hook. That doesn't count. It counts. It counts. Why? Because Jesus died for us and he called us to righteousness to righteousness living. You say, yeah, but Bill, it's, it's a hard time now. We, we've got so much going on. Okay. <laughs> Have you ever studied human history? <laughs> Have you ever studied even just U.S. history? The last few hundred years, much less the first 2,000 years of the church. This is nothing that's new to God. It's nothing that he's surprised about. It's nothing that he doesn't understand. And it's nothing that allows us to not live a righteous life in view of God's mercies. Oh, it may be harder now. That may be true. I'm trying to find in scripture where it says, if we turn our lives over to Jesus, it'll be easy. I find the opposite. Jesus assuring his disciples, look, it's going to get rough on you and it's going to get rough on you because of your faith in me. But don't worry, I'll be with you. And you can get through this and not just get through it. You can show my world the gospel of Jesus Christ. Through throughout that last part of Romans, chapters 12 through 15, he talks about the glory land way. He talks about what righteousness living looks like. 
As we close, I want to share a quote with you. Two leaders and writers in churches of Christ in the 20th century, R.C. Bell and Casey Moser, and perhaps others. But those two are both attributed to have used this proverbial statement. If you get Romans, God gets you. And I like that statement. If you read this book, if you go with me through this study, and you really, truly get it, you get this part about the righteousness of God. You get that there's nothing you can do to earn your salvation. You get that the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross was enough. And now there is in the gospel revealed a righteousness of God that comes by faith from first to last. That there is a response of faith that you identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ by believing and repenting and confessing that faith and being baptized into him. And that there is a resurrection to a new life in this world. And it starts right after you've been baptized. That's righteousness living. And when we read Romans carefully, it challenges us. Because it puts specific actions and situations on what Jesus says when he says, you want to be my disciple, you've got to deny yourself. You've got to take up your cross every day and you've got to follow me. Not follow any political leader. Not even follow any church leader. Follow Christ, the way of the cross. Righteousness, living. If you get Romans, God gets you. Because it truly will affect how you live your life every single day. And not just what you do or what you say, but the confidence and assurance and value that you feel in your heart as someone for whom Christ died. And now someone to whom Christ has entrusted his gospel. F.F. Bruce not only wrote about the impact of the study of Romans on spiritual giants such as Luther and Bart, but he also said that very ordinary men and women have been affected by it as well. He says this, There is no saying what may happen when people begin to study the letter to the Romans. So let those who have read thus far be prepared for the consequences of reading further. You have been warned. Because it is a challenging, challenging study if we will hear it and apply it to ourselves. But it will not only revolutionize our walk with Christ, it will allow us to be exactly what we prayed for earlier today. The salt of God's earth. The light of God's This morning, if you need to come to the one who died for you while you were still in sin, come as we stand and sing our song together, this great old hymn.